Rudy Giuliani needs help. He really, really needs help. But I'm not giving him any. Rudy Giuliani was sued for defamation by two election workers, a mother and daughter from Fulton County, Georgia. Rudy accused them of stuffing ballots for Joe Biden back in 2020. This is what Rudy said back on December 20th, 2022. This is just one of the many accusations he made against Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. Quite obviously, surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. I mean, it's, outsta- it's, it's obvious to anyone who's a criminal investigator or prosecutor, they are engaged in surreptitious illegal activity again that day. And that's a week ago, and they're still walking around Georgia lying. Racist. Just a racist. It was a lie. He made it up. And now he's lost the defamation case. The trial began yesterday to determine how much Rudy has to pay in damages. Yesterday, the jury was seated. They received their instructions and the trial began. When court adjourned, Rudy walked outside and said the following about these two women. But everything I said about them is true. Do you regret what you did to Ruby? Of course I don't regret. I told the truth. They they were engaged in changing votes. There's no proof of that. Oh, you're damn right there is. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Rudy Giuliani needs help. Again, I don't know if you've been following the defamation suit filed by the mother and daughter. They're Georgia election workers. Rudy is completely out of control, and he cannot stop defaming these two women. He can't stop lying about them, even though he's already been found guilty of defamation. Rudy's depths of depravity knows no bottom. Okay, so he lost the defamation suit. Now the trial this week is about what he has to pay in damages. He's lost. The trial started yesterday. After court adjourns, Rudy can't help himself. He sees a bank of microphones, and he he just goes out and defames the two women. He sees Terry Moran from ABC News, and Rudy tells Moran, I have no regrets. He said, I'm going to testify, and when I testify, the whole story will be definitively clear that what I said was true. Everything I said about them is true. And ABC News asked Rudy, do you regret what you did to Ruby and Shay? And Ruby said, of course I don't regret it. I told the truth. They were engaged in changing votes. He he just lost the defamation suit and he begins defaming them Again, and Terry Moran, as you heard from ABC News, says there's no proof. And Ruby Rudy shot back, you're damn right there is, stay tuned. Today, the judge informed Rudy that he quite possibly defamed the two women once again. Rudy's lawyer, Joe Sibley, apologized to the judge and said, I, I can't control everything he does. And then Sibley added, my client, as you saw last night, likes to talk a lot, unfortunately. Then he told the judge that Rudy is getting older. Maybe we have to make allowances for him. I don't know what's going on with him. 
I know what's going on with Rudy. He needs to be locked up and put in prison for the rest of his life. This is, by the way, identical to Donald Trump's defamation lawsuit with Eugene Carroll. He's found guilty of defamation earlier this year. Hours after he's found guilty of defamation, he goes on CNN and defames Eugene Carroll again. And she files suit again. Like I keep saying, the question isn't what's wrong with these people. The question is what isn't wrong with these people. Then tonight, after day two of Rudy's defamation trial, after Rudy was told he defamed the two women again and might be sued again, Rudy steps outside, sees a bank of microphones, can't resist, and says, I'm not going to talk about the trial because it upsets the judge. It, it upsets the judge if I talk about the trial. You mean it upsets the judge when you defame the plaintiffs again? Yeah, that, that's going to upset the judge, Rudy. Rudy said, instead, I'm going to talk about their lawyers. And then Rudy proceeded to talk about how the plaintiffs' lawyers are tied to Hunter Biden. And it's all part of a massive conspiracy. Rudy needs help. And the best way to help this man is to toss him in prison for the rest of his life. How is it possible he walks free? How is it possible that he still has not lost his Washington, D.C. law license or his New York law license? They've been suspended, but they haven't taken those law licenses away from him. I'll get to more of this. I'll get to more of Rudy's courtroom antics in a second. But first, this is the mop-up for December, what is it, the 13th? December th oh, December 12th. Depends on where you are and when you're listening. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. And leave a comment and share. This is important that you please share these episodes. I want to remind you, The David Feldman Show is an audio podcast. Take me with you on your next drive by downloading this show on iTunes or wherever you get your audio. Ever since Rudy Giuliani tried to prove election fraud back in 2020, he has been talking from two sides of his mouth, especially when he's in a courtroom. In a courtroom, Rudy is obsequious before the judges. In fact, in the nearly 60 lawsuits that he lost trying to prove election fraud, Giuliani was very careful never to claim before any of the judges that he had evidence of voter fraud. What he said is... We've got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. And he'd walk out of the court and, you know, he would behave himself in front of the judge. And then he would walk out of the courtroom, see a bank of microphones and start saying the complete opposite, complete opposite of what he had just told the judge. He would insist he had overwhelming evidence of voter fraud. And we see this in the defamation trial. We see it. He's very obsequious towards the judge, 
feral howl, but the minute he goes outside, he talks out of the opposite side of his mouth and says, I will prove that these two women are guilty of election fraud. When he and John Eastman spoke on January 6th, opening for Donald Trump, they both, they both insisted there was incontrovertible evidence of election fraud, making claims in front of the armed thugs who were about to storm the Capitol. They made claims in front of those goons that they would never dare offer in a court of law. There seems to be this notion that the right has, and that is you can say whatever you want, that your language, your lies, your threats are all constitutionally sound so long as you're not under oath. But Donald Trump discovered earlier this year in the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit that the First Amendment has its limitations. For instance, the First Amendment only protects Americans from being censored by the United States government. In a workplace, in a commercial establishment, or on a college campus, your speech is not free. You can be fired, refused service, or suspended from a university because the people in charge don't like what you said. And what Rudy and Donald Trump are learning is that you have to watch what you say about people. You have to watch what you say about elections, even when you're not under oath. You have to say, you have to watch what you say when you're standing on a platform in front of the ellipse on January 6th. You have to watch what you say because your words will incite an insurrection. After E. Jean Carroll filed her civil lawsuit accusing Donald Trump of rape, Trump said he had no idea who she is and then defamed her by saying something along the lines that she was crazy. Earlier this year, in a civil trial, the jury found Donald Trump guilty of rape. And they also found him guilty of defaming E. Jean Carroll when he lied and said he had no idea who she was and that she's crazy. Defamation is not protected speech. You cannot make up lies about people. You can't call them crazy. The E. Jean Carroll trial picks up again on January 15th, where a jury will determine how much Trump has to pay in damages. So far, he owes her, I think, about $5 million, and this jury could end up doubling that. So, Republicans defend Trump. They talk about this E. Jean Carroll trial as though Trump is a victim of the cancel culture. Trump and his defenders maintain he should be allowed to say whatever he wants about E. Jean Carroll because it's protected by the First Amendment. It's not. And then an interesting thing happened after Trump lost the defamation suit. Right after he insisted there's no such thing as defamation, 
he turned around and countersued E. Jean Carroll for defamation. Even though he says there's no such thing as defamation, he sued, claiming E. Jean Carroll had defamed him by saying he defamed her. Obviously, his case was immediately tossed out of court. And the lawsuits continue. This is why he's raised hundreds of millions of dollars in the Save America PAC. All of it goes towards his legal fees, and there's no money left because all the man does is get sued or sue. Right now, appeals courts are trying to determine to what extent two presiding judges can gag Trump's speech when it comes to the civil fraud trial in New York and his criminal trial in Washington, D.C. Trump insists he should be allowed to say whatever he wants about those two judges, their clerks, the prosecutors, even the witnesses who are going to testify against him. But prosecutors arguing for the gag orders are saying Trump's speech leads to credible death threats that chills witnesses and potential jurors from stepping forward. Trump thinks the First Amendment permits him to spread lies about the judge in the New York civil trial, to spread lies about his clerk and lies about the judge's wife. Trump thinks the Constitution protects all kinds of speech, unless, of course, it's speech about Donald Trump. Now, I would play the audio of his then-attorney slash hitman, Michael Cohen, threatening a reporter from the Daily Beast, threatening him not to write a story about Ivana Trump during her divorce deposition, accusing Donald of raping her. I would play this audio from 2015. It's just too filthy, too menacing. It's hate speech. I will not play you, Michael Cohen, screaming and threatening a reporter not to write this article about Ivana Trump claiming that Donald raped her. So, yeah, Donald Trump loathes the cancel culture, and yet he himself is suing incessantly and threatens to sue for libel and slander ceaselessly. He's always threatening to sue somebody for slander or libel. Plus, as president, he has called for laws to make it easier to sue newspapers for printing lies about him. It's not just Trump who has a tenuous grasp on what is and isn't protected speech. Ron DeSantis says since he became governor, Florida is where woke goes to die. He says liberals are trying to dismantle the First Amendment and force conservatives to worry about everything that comes out of their mouths. And yet, under his leadership, the Florida school system comes in second, right behind Texas, in banning the most books here in the United States. Yet, all we hear from the right is how we need to put an end to the cancel culture. But when Democrat Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian-American serving in Congress, 
immediately after the October 7th massacre in Israel, when she spoke of Bibi Netanyahu's atrocities in Gaza, she was censured by the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, who are so concerned about the cancel culture and preserving freedom of speech. And then there's Elise Stefanik, who is part of the Republican leadership in the House. She has Liz Cheney's old job. Liz Cheney got kicked out of the House leadership after she voted to impeach Donald Trump. Elise Stefanik made a name for herself last week by grilling the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the University of Pennsylvania. While the testimony from these three women was staggering in its tone deafness, it's a little hard to watch Elise Stefanik take the moral high ground on anti-Semitism when she is one of Donald Trump's most vocal supporters. Donald Trump, a man, if you remember, who said there were very good people on both sides when white nationalists shouted Jews will not replace us during their march, during their Tiki Torch march through Charleston, Virginia. Elise Stefanik supports a president, a former president, Donald Trump, who, as Jamie Raskin pointed out in his attack on Elise Stefanik's hypocrisy, dined with Kanye West and neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago immediately after Kanye's barrage of pro-Hitler, Holocaust-denying effluvium. Stefanik reportedly told another congresswoman right before the hearings on anti-Semitism that she, this is a little gossip for you, uh, Stefanik reportedly told another congresswoman before the hearings on anti-Semitism that she couldn't care less about protecting Jewish students. She reportedly said she was only concerned about scoring political points by humiliating three female college presidents who think they're so smart. Well, I have to confess, it was great television. Who doesn't enjoy watching highly credentialed academics exposed as blubbering fools? Stefanik did have her moment. She and most of us were aghast when the president of the University of Pennsylvania somehow couldn't bring herself to say that calling for the genocide of Jews violated her campus's code of conduct. It was astonishing how lost in the ivory clouds Liz McGill, the former president of the University of Pennsylvania, was. It was amazing to see how ill-prepared she was, especially since she, along with Dr. Claudine Gay of Harvard, were prepped for their testimony by lawyers, very expensive lawyers from Wilmer Hale, one of the most expensive law firms in Washington, D.C. They call them white shoe law firms, right? The old boy network. Yep, that's what these two elite presidents from elite private universities did. They 
They had to testify before Congress, so get on the horn with Wilmer Hale, the big law firm, because we only surround ourselves with the best, the cream of the crop. I'm the president of Harvard. I'm the president of the University of Pennsylvania, the elite of the elite, and we're about to testify about anti-Semitism, so we'll hire Wilmer Hale, an elite law firm filled with lawyers from the same elite law schools that we attended uh, to prep us elitely, will pay them thousands and thousands of dollars. And if you saw the testimony, that is what you get from their expertise. That's what you get from these elite universities. The president of Harvard, the president of the University of Pennsylvania, don't know that calling for the genocide of Jews violates their own university's speech codes. How can you not know that? What about calling for the genocide of chubby Jews? Well, you could be sure they would have said body shaming is unacceptable and that student who said that would be suspended. But calling for the extermination of just Jews? Well, I need to understand the context of the statement before I know whether that constitutes harassment. What about the extermination of Jews who stammer? Well, of course, that violates our code of conduct can't make fun of anybody who stammers. But the extermination of all Jews, hmm, I need to hear how it was said, what the intent was, and why it was said. That's pretty much how the testimony went. That wasn't how it, that wasn't what was said, but that's pretty much how it went. Elise Stefanik, whose husband is a lobbyist for gun makers, She's a strong Trump supporter, and she opposes the cancel culture. Nobody, she thinks, should be canceled for what they say. But immediately after those hearings, Elise Stefanik was the first person to call for all three university presidents to be fired for what they said. Elise, I hate the cancel culture, Stefanik, didn't like what these women said, so cancel them. Cancel them not just for what they said, but for what they didn't say. You can get canceled. That's a first, getting canceled for not saying something. Now, what I find curious is why a so-called champion of free speech like Elise Stefanik would suddenly support campus speech codes. You know, like a campus speech code that says you can't call for the genocide of the Jews. Seems to me, if you're a MAGA Republican like Elise Stefanik, seems to me that calling for the genocide of Jews, just like using the N-word or the C-word or making homophobic jokes, that would be considered by Republicans like Elise Stefanik to be protected speech. Certainly when Joe Rogan got caught using the N-word a million times, it was Republicans like her who said, it's protected speech, you can't cancel him just because he used the N-word. 
Charlie Kirk from Turning Points and Jordan Peterson are running all over college campuses complaining about fragile college kids who are too soft because nobody is allowed to call them fat or gay. But suddenly, the Republicans are in favor of speech codes when it comes to winning over Jewish voters. Suddenly, they believe in campus speech codes. I always thought, if you listen to Ben Shapiro, you walk it off. Somebody says something nasty to you, you walk it off. They're just words. That's what Republicans always say. They say there's no such thing as bullying or harassment. But all of a sudden, they're into speech codes. Interesting. Somehow, Elise Stefanik, whose loyalty to Donald Trump knows no bounds, thinks it's okay for schools like Harvard, MIT, or the University of Pennsylvania to censure the language of their students by enforcing speech codes. Interesting. Likewise, I find it baffling that these three college presidents who exist in a world of trigger warnings and where language that is homophobic, sexist, or body shaming can be grounds for suspension from their elite private schools, but somehow they just couldn't extend the same protections to Jews when someone calls for their extermination. Somehow the calls to exterminate Jews had to be contextualized. What about exterminating gay Jews? Would that qualify as hate speech, or does that have to be contextualized as well? In her later apology, the president of the University of Pennsylvania said she failed to give the proper answer because she had tied herself up in legal knots wanting to make sure she wasn't advocating against freedom of speech. She is a lawyer. She said as a lawyer, she takes freedom of speech very seriously. No, you don't. College is all about censoring speech. You don't give a shit about free speech, nor should you. In fact, that's why I sent my idiot kids to college, to get them to shut up. Shut up, listen, and learn. College is not about freedom of speech. At least, that's what higher education should be. Should not be about freedom of speech. Because when you're 18, you're an idiot. Be quiet. Read this book. Higher education is not about free speech. It's about correcting speech. College is about giving people an F for saying the wrong things. College, high school, is about correcting grammar, being told to use the proper words and to obey the rules of syntax. College is the last place on earth where people should purport 
to be bastions of free speech. In fact, college is, or should be, where people are taught to watch what they say, to think, to read, to study before they speak or have an opinion. Yes, there should be a free exchange of ideas, but not all ideas. Some ideas should not be taught. Ivermectin doesn't prevent COVID. Don't teach that. Ideas that are wrong are not protected by freedom of speech. Alchemy, phrenology, spontaneous generation, and the earth being flat, they're not protected speech. Those ideas and anyone teaching those ideas have no place on a college campus and anyone espousing those beliefs in a classroom or teaching those ideas should be thrown off the earth into the pits of Hades. Don't tell me college is supposed to be a bastion of freedom of speech or where you go for a free exchange of ideas. College is where you go to cut out the noise and learn fundamental truths. And that requires professors, administrators, and yes, college presidents to censor stupidity, to censor illiteracy, to censor willful ignorance, to censor corporate propaganda. Now, you'll notice I'm on I'm all over the place here. I hate Elise Stefanik. I hate the three college presidents. I hate everyone who's part of this story because here's the dirty, dark secret about the cancel culture and freedom of speech. We are all hypocrites. We all think we're opposed to cancel culture. We all think we're for free speech. The truth is, all of us are for freedom of speech, and all of us are for the cancel culture. We all think speech should be protected, but eventually our laissez-faire attitude towards free speech gets tested, and we suddenly realize all speech isn't equal. Some speech is dangerous, Wrong, defamatory, libelous. We're all against the cancel culture until we're not. The president of the University of Pennsylvania literally got canceled by the people opposed to the cancel culture. And here's the thing. Even people like me, who don't even think there's such a thing as cancel culture... I'm glad she was canceled. A pox on all of them. All of them. But let's not forget, college campuses have been silencing speech before cancel culture was even invented. All speech is silenced when it's a threat to the community. You can't interrupt a professor. You can't threaten to punch another student. 
I hate to break it to you, but writing an essay on why people deserve to die on 9-11 is probably going to earn you a visit from the FBI, and rightfully so. It is generally frowned upon to say or to put into writing that anyone deserves to be killed. If you think that's protected speech, there's something seriously wrong with you. And here's a little heads up. They have found that co-workers or students who keep saying they're going to shoot up the place often end up shooting up the place. People not only need to watch what they say, they need to watch what other people say. Michael Cohen, for example, I talked about him earlier, Trump's old lawyer and henchman, said in 2015 when he was threatening the reporter from the Daily Beast not to print the story about Donald raping his wife, Ivana, uh, Michael Cohen said, there's no such thing as marital rape. I know Michael Cohen is beloved now, but back in 2015, he went on record and said there's no such thing as marital rape. It might be a good idea not to marry Michael Cohen. You need to watch what people say. And that's what made the testimony of those three college presidents so mind-boggling. A college campus has every right to limit speech. A workplace has every right to limit speech. Speech gets limited all the time because it must be limited. If you work for a living, how many times have you or somebody above you told you you're talking too much? Let's get to work. Speech gets limited all the time. And there are many ways that it gets limited. For example, the president of Harvard, Dr. Gay, is now accused of plagiarism, of lifting entire passages from someone else's work when she wrote her 1997 doctoral dissertation. Now, I was online. I saw what she is alleged to have lifted. And from what I can tell, it's plagiarism. She lifted entire paragraphs, word for word, without proper citations. No quotation marks. That violates Harvard's academic code. That violates everybody's academic code. Plagiarism normally gets you kicked out of college. But, you say, isn't plagiarism freedom of speech? No, you can't steal someone's words without citation. Freedom of speech does not protect stolen speech. Elise Stefanik on Tuesday wouldn't let up on the plagiarism. She accused Dr. Gay, the Harvard president, of plagiarism. But now Elise Stefanik herself is being accused of plagiarism by Congresswoman Kathy Manning, of South Carolina. Some more gossip. Congressman Manning is now accusing 
Elise Stefanik of lifting entire paragraphs from a letter Congressman Manning had written to the university presidents. She, she says that Stefanik took whole passages from her letter and plugged them into her letter and claimed those passages were hers. Like I said, I hate everybody <laughs> in this story. There are no good people. Because what are we talking? We're talking about elite private schools, people who think they're so smart and better. Well, back to Rudy Giuliani, a man who lies with abandon and thinks his lies are all protected speech. They're not. Among Rudy's many legal problems are that federal uh, the federal civil lawsuit I talked about earlier, filed by two Fulton County, Georgia election officials who sued Rudy for defamation after he repeatedly accused them of stuffing ballots for Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election. I've talked about the two women. They are a mother and a daughter named Shea Moss, who is 39, and her mother, Ruby Freeman, who Rudy Giuliani, who's a racist, Anybody who lived in New York when he was mayor knows that Rudy Giuliani is a racist. Giuliani kept accusing them on national television and before the Georgia State Legislature of passing a USB stick filled with phony Biden votes like it was, quote, crack or heroin. Because the mother and daughter are black, Giuliani and Trump resorted to racially tinged language describing them as hustlers and implying they were drug dealers. Rudy Giuliani kept accusing them of removing a large container of votes and then stuffing those votes into the tabulating machines. He said it was all captured on video. It wasn't, and they didn't. It was all a lie, a racially tinged lie down in Georgia, of all places, to spread racially tinged lies about two black women. What a despicable monster Rudy Giuliani is. Within hours of Rudy Giuliani's first accusations, the, the death threats started to pour in. Both Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman received phone and text messages calling them the N-word, and the C-word. Someone showed up outside their home trying to make a citizen's arrest. Shea Moss said she was forced to go into hiding, even changed her hair color. She was unable to find work because her reputation had been sullied by America's mayor. She stayed inside, wouldn't go outdoors, and ended up gaining 75 pounds. And they sued Rudy Giuliani for defamation. Now, Rudy's unable to afford lawyers or accountants, and he was unable, therefore, to assist in the discovery phase of this trial. He ended up losing the case by forfeiting, same way Alex Jones lost his defamation lawsuits by forfeiting. He refused. Rudy refused to turn over any evidence. And now the trial resumed this week to determine how much should be awarded and damages. Judge Beryl Howell told the jurors, quote, this court has already determined 
that Mr. Giuliani is liable for defamation and that Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss are entitled to receive compensation, including in the form of punitive damages for Mr. Giuliani's willful conduct, unquote. In her instructions to the jury on Monday, Judge Howell said that Rudy is guilty. This is all about trying to figure out how much he owes them. And then she accused Rudy of hiding his assets, of deflating his net worth in order to avoid having to pay damages. Like I said, Rudy Giuliani has refused to turn over his financials. He showed up to the Washington, D.C. courtroom yesterday, 20 minutes late. He was immediately reprimanded by the judge, who has pretty much had it with him. She's already ordered, the judge has already ordered Rudy to pay the plaintiffs close to a quarter of a million dollars to cover their legal fees. Rudy is asking for that payment to be deferred. He says he's a little low on cash right now. The mother and the daughter are seeking anywhere between 15 to $43 million in damages. Rudy's lawyers said yesterday that a fine like that would kill him. Giuliani keeps admitting that, yes, he had misrepresented their activity of the two of the mother and daughter, but says the emotional toll taken on them, the threats on their lives had nothing to do with his words. But in his opening statement on Monday, Von DuBose, the attorney for Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman, played audio recordings of racist phone messages that had been left for the mother and daughter right after Rudy began accusing them of election rigging. The attorney, uh, Von Dubois, said words have consequences. You know, when you stand on the ellipse in front of thousands of armed goons and say today today it's trial by combat— That's inciting an insurrection. You would think a former prosecutor would know that. Giuliani continues to insist on his radio show that while what he said about those two women is false, he still insists his speech is constitutionally protected. And for that, he should be locked up for the rest of his life. For spreading that lie about the First Amendment, he should be locked up for the rest of his life. Michael Gottlieb, the plaintiff's other attorney, told the jury that Giuliani owed them tens of millions of dollars because their suffering falls under three legal categories. This is interesting. This is a defamation lawsuit, and there are three types of damages. There's emotional damages, reputational damages, And the third would be punitive damages to punish Rudy Giuliani. It's a civil lawsuit, so you can't lock him up. But punitive damages to make him pay to ensure that he never slanders or defames or lies again. In his opening statement, Joseph Sibley, Rudy's attorney, warned that awarding damages in the millions, would be the death of his client. 
And Sibley admitted that his client had, in fact, defamed the plaintiffs. Sibley said, my client is guilty, but much of the damage done to them, he said, was by people who Giuliani didn't even know. His lawyer, Joseph Sibley, said, quote, he never promoted violence against these women, never made racist statements about them. That was other random people. We've talked about stochastic terrorism. Okay. And there is also such a thing as reckless endangerment. You can be charged with manslaughter even when you didn't intend to kill someone. Look at what Alec Baldwin is going through because of those publicity-hungry prosecutors in New Mexico. A witness for the plaintiffs testified that after Rudy Giuliani disparaged the two women, close to a million mentions of Moss and Freeman ended up on social media that were graphic, threatening, and racist. Let me guess, Twitter? So, let me play Rudy Giuliani again last night. Knowing all this, this is staggering to, to, to see him walk out and say the following. But everything I said about them is true. Do you regret what you did to Ruby Of course Freeman? I don't regret it. I told the truth. They, they were engaged in changing votes. There's no proof of that. Oh, you're damn right there is. Stay tuned. Words are weapons. They destroy lives. Rudy will not stop defaming these two women. He has ruined their lives and our democracy. I don't care that Rudy Giuliani is going to be 80, that he's most probably an alcoholic, that he's broke, broken, and desperate. Lock him up for the rest of his life and bury him in a dumpster out by the Meadowlands when it's time for him to check out. Because Rudy Giuliani is human garbage. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you for listening to this. If you enjoyed any of this, please hit the like button so I remain in your feed. Please leave a comment. I read all your comments. And I did get something wrong about the defense budget. Somebody, I'll have to read it on tomorrow's show. Uh, Somebody wrote a very detailed explanation about defense spending. That was fascinating, and I'll read it tomorrow. Uh, So leave a comment. Please subscribe to my newsletter, and of course, subscribe to this channel. Thank you to the mods in the chat room for keeping the conversation civil. And uh, I think that covers everything, right? Okay. I look forward to seeing all of you tomorrow probably around the same time. Thank you so much for listening. 